0: friends and thanks for listening to the capital city soccer show your independent source for everything austin fc today we'll talk about some exciting austin fc hires and some other fun things going on in mls you're also going to hear an interview with tom marshall who covers liga and and the mexican national team for espn so we're going to ask tom about which uh, which el tree players he thinks are good candidates for a move to mls and potentially a move to austin fc my name is Landon Cottom. I am joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Jeremiah, how's it going?
1: Hey, this is Jeremiah Bentley. I'm I'm doing great, Landon. So we, we actually had a chance. Well, I guess some of us had the first chance and maybe some of us with friends in Paraguay who have uh, <laughs> TV streams have a second chance to actually see Cecilio and Rodney play in, in Copa Libertadores uh, last weekend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was, we didn't actually get to see them on the field at the same time, but we saw them both play, which was nice. I, I was kind of bummed they didn't get on at the same time, but they, as Rodney subbed off, as Cecilia was being subbed on, so we didn't get the chance it so to watch close, them play right? together. They
1: just, yeah, they just barely passed in the night, but uh, hopefully they'll get they'll get to play together again soon. Did you expect? Um, we were talking somewhere about how much time Rodney was going to play. Were you surprised to see him come on so early?
0: Uh, so how much time Cecilio is going to play?
1: Sorry, Cecilio. Yes.
0: Yeah, I I think it probably had a lot to do with the injuries they had. I think two they had to make two substitutions due to injuries, and I think that's probably had a little bit to do why with why he came on. And also, I don't were they still trailing at that point? I don't remember. Yeah, so I think probably like the state of the game and the injuries had had a bit to do. But there's actually a quote from the manager before like earlier that day saying that we're going to try to get Cecilio on for 20 minutes. And that has to do with just like match fitness. He hasn't played a game since I think January was the last time he played. So um, yeah, he's, he just needs to get eased back into it. But um, I thought Rodney looked uh, to be honest, like I haven't been super impressed by any of Rodney's matches that I've watched. And I think this one was worse than some that I've seen he he got chances on the ball and just didn't didn't do a lot with it. And then I think the thing that I've normally been impressed with is his his defending and kind of tracking back. He didn't look super sharp on that part of it either. Uh on the other hand, Cecilio looked looked quite good um in his his part of it. So he ended up with a goal from it was from a penalty, but it was a very well-taken penalty, and then I think an assist uh later on was a really good team goal where they Passed it around to several different people, and I think he he ended up getting the assist on that goal. So, uh, Cecilio looked pretty good. I mean, he's, he's, like I said, he hasn't played in many, many months, so I think he'll only look better for Guarani, but um, we'll we'll get another chance. I think they have another game this coming week, um, another Libertadores game, so we'll probably get to see him play again. Hopefully, we'll get Rodney and Cecilio on the pitch at the same time.
1: Hopefully, yeah. I mean, you'd expect him to succeed too, right? Because with the the quality of play that he's, the quality of talent that he's playing with, you know, now in the league versus what he's used to. I mean, he he hopefully will dominate. You know, yeah, the domestic. He, he should he look good.
0: And I mean, it, Libertadores is a different thing. Like the next game is against, I think Palmeiras. I think, which is a a good Brazilian team, and so that that's a different thing. But playing against. Paraguayan competition, he should look like one of the best players on the field for sure.
1: Yeah. And then you also had the chance maybe a week or so ago, and I don't know if this is on purpose or you just happened to be there, but you got to see the Academy uh, dominate against San Antonio too, right?
0: Yeah. I, I, I I, uh, found out that the Academy games were starting up again. So I went out to Leander where they're playing for the time being and saw the U15 team play against San Antonio FC which uh, I got there and was kind of um, found some people that I knew and was sitting up on this Hill overlooking the pitch. And there's parents around and was just kind of hearing people talking and asking people questions. And everyone thought that they're, they're saying that San Antonio is like, that's one of our, our biggest rivals and probably some of our toughest competition that, that we'll face. And uh, the U15 team ended up winning eight to two and, they looked re- really good, and I don't, I don't know why I was surprised by this. Like I was very impressed with how good they looked, and I, I haven't been around youth soccer very much at all, and so I think I was kind of expecting. Oh, it's a bunch of like fourteen and fifteen year old kids, and so it's going to be like disorganized. But it, it was like a good game to watch, and they were. I was really impressed with how good they were, and so when you hear, um. You hear the academy staff and Josh Wolf and Claudia Arena say they want to promote one or two players to the first team every year after the the academy established, of course. But um, they want to promote one or two players to the first team every year. You see a performance like that, and you say, "Okay, that's that seems like a realistic goal." But yeah, so some of these kids can play.
1: Yeah, that that's cool. And did, did would the um, I know you found an article, I think in the Athletic about. Uh, sort of the decline of the Minnesota United Academy and so we have two of those two of the players that have come in um, from Minnesota United and did they were they were they playing to get just get the chance to see them
0: yeah they're good too <laughs> uh, yeah there's been a big shake-up in the Minnesota Academy system they've kind of decentralized it and are instead I, I don't really understand exactly how it's working but it seems like they're kind of Uh, expanding, instead of having one centralized team, they're kind of expanding the network across the state just because of how isolated it is. Um, And so these two kids decided to look for another team to play for and ended up here in Austin. And so, yeah, they one of them I think scored the first two goals uh, and the other one started at center back and and looked really solid. So, yeah, I I think they're going to be some of our better players on the team for sure.
1: Yeah. And it's, that's good to hear just like to know that there's to the, the ambition of the club, right. And the Academy system, the fact that they can get kids that are, you know, out of an MLS Academy in Minnesota to come down here when we're just getting off the ground, I think is a really encouraging statement about, um, the, the club following through and all the things that, that they say, and that we've heard in interviews with people, but that's a real testament to the fact that that's turning into reality.
0: Yeah. And it's, it looks like with the new, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this later on, but um, the new kind of youth setup that m l s is following they're not going to have the the territories that they've usually been restricted to, and so if austin f c ends up setting up a really good academy system, they can scout players from other other places before it was it was kind of structured in a very a very strict set of regions that you you can only scout from this area. And now it looks like that's going to be changing. And so, if if the academy system is as good as we think it's going to be, and as well set up as we we think it's going to be, then we might get more kids moving in like that who say, "I, I want to go play for that team."
1: Yeah, that's that's a great build. And they so that was last weekend, and then so this weekend on uh, the nineteenth, they they played. I think they went believe this is on the road they went to houston right yeah played the
0: houston dynamo Dynamo academies i think um u15s and u14s won and then the u13s lost their game but uh it's it's really encouraging to see them competing with these these established academy systems and competing and then in some cases dominating these established academy systems so yeah it's i'm gonna go try to watch more of these academy games i think they're um their schedules a little bit up in the air with COVID. So I don't think they're scheduling anything in, in conc- like setting anything in stone too far ahead of time. But I think a couple of weekends from now, they're supposed to be back playing back in Austin. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to go try to watch as many of those games as I can. Cause these are kids who might very well might one day be playing on the first team.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's, it's really cool to be, see that level of soccer. And so you mentioned this a little bit, um, we do have a new system. Of course, it's got a new name and new logo. It's called MLS Next. You wanna give a quick rundown about um, what we know about that?
0: Yeah, so this is essentially what's replacing the uh the United States Development Academy. And so they announced this structure a month or two ago, and they this is just kind of the new brand of it. So MLS Next is the is what the name of it is, but it's going to have, uh, six age brackets. So it's going to be U13, U14, U15, U16, U17, and U19. And it's going to be, uh, a really big system that covers the whole country. So all of the MLS teams will have teams in this structure. And then they've selected other academies, like not MLS academies, but just other, other kind of club teams that are, they know are proven and, and produce good players to be a part of this as well. And so it's just kind of a way to give these kids a, a higher level of competition on a more regular basis because that's what needs to happen in order for U.S. youth soccer to kind of grow to a higher level. So Austin FC currently has a U13, a U14, and a U15 team. And the plan is to essentially as these kids age up, They'll become the next age level, and then we'll replace the the bottom tier, and so we'll just keep moving kids in. And then, uh, like two years from now, we'll have a fully formed academy system, and um, yeah, we'll we'll be operating essentially like any other MLS club does. And so it's it's really exciting to see the the growth of it and how much um, how many resources and how much attention the academy system is getting within Austin FC especially in this time where where MLS is kind of shaking things up and trying to bring the academy system to the next level.
1: Yeah, and that um that ties back to uh the Juan Delgado interview right from a couple episodes right. ago about the need to play against top talent and I saw said so there's Really nine teams in Texas. So I assume that they will be playing each other a lot. And the other thing I, I, you know, I really observed is that I think the Mountain Dew brand people also designed the MLS next. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, for me, it looked like, if you had an old guy that was going to design a logo that was like hip and different for a bunch of like 18 year olds, what would it look like? But maybe you have a different perspective.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't heard the Mountain Dew thing, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yep, that's who did it. Exactly. Right. oh man okay so let's move on to some of the exciting austin fc hires so uh the first one we're going to talk about is the new high performance director or sorry director of high performance i believe is the title uh his name is david tinney uh first let's let's answer the question what is a director of high performance so in short, it's it's a sports scientist. So this is a thing that's been around for a while. Um, they essentially manage how a player is physically performing in games and trainings. And so I, I found in an interview with David Tinney, and he described it this way. He said the first question is what demands are put on players during a game, and then how is their training preparing him for the pr- preparing them for those demands. And how are they responding to that training? And so it's essentially monitoring these players on a very in a very detailed level. So you see the players wearing those like sports bra looking things with a little hump on their back. This is like a little GPS tracker and and tracks some of their like vital signs and things like that, heart rate. And that's a lot of what they're using for in-game. And so they're essentially trying to understand how players' bodies are like the demands being put on players' bodies during a game and then trying to adapt training to make make sure that training is preparing them for the, those demands. And then it also uh, goes to like coping with fatigue throughout a season. Who's coping with fatigue better than others? Who is not coping with, with fatigue well? Um, when do you kind of hold someone back? Like, okay, the, the data is showing us that this person – is at risk for an injury. So maybe limit their minutes in this next game or limit their training this week. And so this whole job is going to range from, uh, games to training to weights and conditioning to sleep is another thing I heard David Tinney talk about and then injury management and prevention. And so it's really just making sure that these athletes bodies are performing in at the highest level possible. And so, um, David Tinney has a really impressive resume, so that's another thing I wanted to talk about. He came on with the Seattle Sounders in 2009 for their first season and uh, was with them until three years ago. And so over over his time at the Sounders, he ended up building what most people consider the best performance department in MLS. And he not only didn't just work there, but actually helped build the whole thing. Uh, he then went on to work for three years at the Orlando magic in the NBA. So pretty, pretty high level stuff. And then is now coming to Austin FC to help build our department here. So this is something that's not going to be uh, in the, it's not going to be visible on the day to day to, to most fans, but I think it's a, it's a thing that has proven w- in the case of the sounders to, to, to really help and to really improve performance on the field. And so hopefully this is going to be the same case here.
1: Yeah. And they made, it was to say, they made, they made nine consecutive playoff appearances during his, during his time there. And I, it was, you know, he's got a soccer background too. If you go like all the way back to college, right. He played at Virginia tech. Um, he's got that wonderful combination of soccer experience and, and know how, know how. And then like, uh, what was his degree? It was like an exercise science or something. So it's I guess credentials are really strong both on the fitness nutrition side of things. And then also really clearly like soccer's in his blood. And that's, that's really what's uh, near and dear to him. So it's, he's good. It seems like he'd be a great hire and a good get for Austin FC.
0: Yeah. And from things I've read and heard, he's, he's very highly regarded in this field as well, not just within MLS, but in sports in general, he's a very highly regarded person in in this field. So yeah, let's hope that, uh, that it, it pays off for us and FC huh um uh, uh, another exciting hire we wanted to talk about is Adrian Healy he was hired as the do you remember what his title was i don't think i have that pulled up here
1: oh oh you know i looked it up because i didn't i didn't even know like exactly what it would fit like he's executive something executive something of broadcast i don't remember right but you know,
0: I thought, um, executive director of broadcast is the executive title. director of
1: broadcast
0: on top yeah. of that. He's going to be the commentator, the English language commentator for us, the FC games <laughs>
1: right. on that's, TV. Yeah that's, probably, yeah. that's the most important part of it. And just like hearing his voice, you know, they've done a couple, I think he, they've done two short videos now, um, with him, you know, one of him introducing himself and then one with him talking about the stadium, uh, which I think just came out maybe Friday over the weekend which that, that one was like, got me so excited. But yeah. just hearing your voice is, is amazing. And hearing that voice and thinking about his reputation, you know, he's one of the top names in American broadcasting, even though he's English, he's been around for a long time. He's done it all. But yeah, so, you know, so to hear so for, that, I hear I think that in Austin's amazing.
0: Most of our listeners will have heard his voice. They might not know it by name, but what, a, like, Jeremiah, tell, tell our listeners what he's actually worked, like, what has he done? They will have seen him on these these competitions,
1: or or more. What has he not done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's done he's everything. So he's World Cup, Champions League, uh, Euros, MLS Cups. You know, he's done it all at ESPN. Uh, he's been there a long time. Um, I think Phil had an interesting um, story. Oh, so our and shout out to our friend Phil West for being. And officially published on the Austin FC website, author now. Yeah,
0: he did. There's another exciting hire.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, another hire is Phil because he did the uh, academy story in this one too. But yeah, so the original plan was for him to commute from Connecticut, like a lot of ESPN uh, personalities do when they're everywhere else. But after he came to Austin, he fell in love with it and decided he would relocate. And that you know, he says he wouldn't be doing this anywhere else other than than where he is. Um, And then also he will stay involved with ESPN during like international breaks and off season, but he seems really committed to Austin. It's, It's really exciting.
0: Yeah. This is, if, if you watch like ESPN plus carries a lot of MLS games, right. And they usually just use the local broadcast. And if you've watched some of those, like some of the announcers are pretty good, but there's quite a few that just aren't, they're just not very good. And so to have someone who not only is like just above average, but is like one of the best in the country at what he does this it's really exciting. And then it's going to make watching these games. If, if we're not there at the stadium, watching them on TV, it's going it, to, yeah, it's going to really improve that experience for, for us FC fans.
1: Yeah. And you really, I've, I hadn't thought about the ESPN plus thing that much, but so many of those guys could be minor league baseball or like they could be any random dude in any city and maybe in,
0: are like the minor yeah. league baseball
1: guy too. Yeah. Yeah, and they do all that, and so to, to to get past that and have like a singular voice that's got this kind of uh, uh, long career in history is, is really exciting. And then uh, just yeah, so in this last video, he talks about the supporter section um, and sort of the excitement it's going to bring to it and the drive behind it. And I mean, I've always been bought into that, but like hearing Adrian Healy's voice talk about that yeah. makes me <laughs> I'm even more bought into it. I'm like, yes, yes, we are, sir. We're gonna we're gonna be as loud as we can possibly be.
0: So Chris Bills um, wrote an article last week talking about what the broadcast options could potentially look like. So can you tell us a little bit about what what Chris talked about and wh- which of those you think might be good options for us?
1: Yeah, sure. So Chris, I didn't, I'm not very familiar with the term linear television, but that means regular TV. Um, <laughs> and he talked about that being an option, um, sort of streaming. Um, and sort of all the different ways that, that people consume um, media. And the point that I think Andy made in the article to him was that, uh, you know, they, they want to be the club for the whole city. And so in that way, they kind of have to look at all the broadcast options too. Right. Cause they want to be the, you know, baby boomer who just watches TV on like over the air television. Like they want to be there for them and they want to be there for the cord cutter and they want to be there, you know, for everyone and get and get the the club, uh, in front of everybody. So there's several different ways that they can do that. And I didn't realize until Bill's article, like exactly how many options there are out there. And a couple specific ones he talked about streaming wise were, so the Seattle Sounders uh, are going to be on Amazon Prime Video. Um, they'll be their streaming partner through 2022. Um, LAFC obviously has to deal with YouTube TV. Um, and then Chicago Fire um, is streamed through ESPN And a lot of people or stream through ESPN plus is a rebroadcast of of the local broadcast, but I guess Chicago's is specifically there.
0: A lot Um, of times that's just out of market though. And so if you're in market, you might be blacked out on ESPN plus and have to watch it on whatever other option is available. And if, if you're on MLS Twitter at all, you will have seen people complaining about how they're blacked out in their own market and aren't able to watch games of their, their own local team. And so this seems like a thing that that Andy Lockne and Austin FC are aware of and are hoping to to provide options for us. And I think hiring someone like Adrian Healy to do the broadcast is a sign that they want people to see these broadcasts and want it to be a a really good product. So, yeah, let's let's hope that uh, that everyone is able to watch Austin FC when those games are are being broadcast
1: yeah I think you said it the best when you said they didn't they wouldn't hire Adrian Healy for nobody to be able to see him that's yeah. I mean, <laughs> clearly it's a pretty strong sign of intent, yeah, so there's that there's Fox Sports Southwest, which I think anybody that watches any other sports knows, and then there's these traditional you know traditional stations that maybe have like an English and a Spanish, and Andy did talk in there too about how important it was to both have a real strong English presence and a real strong Spanish language presence, both so I guess maybe you know we'll we'll, we'll have an exciting Spanish language broadcast hire you know, at some point soon coming too.
0: So some other big MLS related news is there have been rumors that DeAndre Yedlin of Newcastle might be returning to MLS. So I decided to do another one of my very scientific polls on, uh, on Twitter. And I asked, would you be happy with Austin FC signing DeAndre Yedlin as a designated player? And the, the results were a little bit surprising to me. It ended up 65% of the people who voted said yes, 35% said no. And so I kind of expected to be a bit more split than that. Um, I mean, first off, what, what is your opinion of DeAndre Eldon, Jeremiah? What do you think of him? Would you be excited to see him here?
1: I would absolutely be excited to see him here. And I think, um, you know i don't think his ceiling is probably as high as what we thought it was originally you know several years ago when he when he first broke out but you know he's i mean he's he's a good player he's a big name he's got skills you know that to bring to the table you know he seems like a real likeable guy i mean i think he he checks all the boxes on what you would want um from a player and i think he's he doesn't seem um he seems like he would be, he would be happy to play that role too you know i mean i feel like He's he's not like a surly or moody guy or somebody's going to avoid the spotlight. And I feel like he would be a good ambassador for the club.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And you you mentioned that his ceiling might not have been as high as we thought it was going to be, but he was a he was a good player in MLS when he was like I don't remember how old he was when he left, but like twenty years old or something like that. He was a good MLS player then, and he got a lot better during his time in the premier league I think, especially those, those years when he was working under, uh, Rafa. Oh, Benitez. Rafa Benitez. I don't yeah. know why I couldn't think of that name, but those years playing under Benitez, he, I, I, his, his defense was always kind of a weak spot earlier on in his career. And I think he became like, he's still, it's still not amazing, but he's a decent defender, like good enough to, to start on a premier league team for two seasons or I don't know how many seasons it was, but yeah, he's, if he was already a very good MLS player when he was 20 and he's gotten a lot better since then, he would be like, he would be a stud in MLS right now. And so I think that's, I mean, yeah, he, he would just be a very good MLS player. And so the reasons why I think it might happen is, I mean, he, like we, like you said, he's, he's a star. He's a, United States uh, national team player Roger Gonzalez tweeted about uh, a, a list of kind of logical places for for Yedlin to end up, and he mentioned Seattle. Just he's a hometown kid, so that makes sense. He mentioned Cincinnati um, for reasons we'll get into here in a moment. Uh, Atlanta and the Galaxy, and then also mentioned Austin. So Atlanta and the Galaxy; those are just teams who aren't averse to spending money, right? Um, he mentioned Austin because it's a new team when you star. Uh, and then he he something I hadn't thought about is he mentions tax advantages. Um, Texas doesn't have state income tax. And so some of these players maybe would be willing to take a little bit of a pay cut because they're going to be paying less money in taxes and get to keep more of their money. Um, another thing is... I think Yedlin you mentioned his ceiling not being so high. I think he like he probably found his ceiling playing for like a bottom half Premier League team. I don't see him as the type of player who's gonna go hunting like that next big European move. I think we know what DeAndre Yedlin is and we know kind of what his his peak looks like. And so I think he's probably a player that's like yeah, okay. I, I came here. I did this. It was a great experience, but I'm going to go back to the United States and be like the star player on the team and still make decent money. And I, I like, that's an okay thing. And I I could see him being in that position right now. So um, as for reasons why it might not happen, I mentioned Cincinnati earlier. So MLS has a lot of crazy rules. One of them being what's called an allocation list. And so essentially for notable american players who are playing abroad if they decide to come back to the united states they can't just come and play for whatever team they want to there's a list of people who essentially get dibs on them and so cincinnati is on top of this list right now so cincinnati would essentially have to work out a deal with austin in order to get the rights to buy deandre yedlin um so that's why cincinnati was on that list so That's one of the reasons why this might not happen is, A, I don't even know if it's possible for Austin FC to buy that spot. It probably is, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Claudio Reyna wasn't eager to use up more of his budget on buying this spot to use a designated player spot on a defender. And he probably would have to be a designated player um and i think that's the big sticking point is a lot of the the comments on my my twitter poll were i would absolutely love him on a tam deal but if he's a designated player maybe not because again he's he's a big star he's uh, i think he would be a very good player in the league but to to use a designated player spot on a right back is a little bit worrying, like maybe we would have buyer's remorse going forward. If, okay, we signed Deandre Yedlin as our last designated player spot. And then there's a striker that looks perfect for Austin FC and we can't get him anymore because we've used all our DP spots. And that's, an, that's another thing that makes me kind of wary of it. But, um, we've seen the stuff that some of the, the most recent, recent clubs, um, have done to Miami getting Blaze Matweedy on a TAM deal, so maybe we could get him on a TAM deal. And if that's the case, I would say absolutely get this guy on the team. But as a DP, I don't really know if if that would be a good deal or not. But I I would be happy to see him on the team though.
1: Yeah, and I think with like with so many things, you know, if it seems like the must rules are flexible and change depending upon the situation and kind of what's best for everybody, so. I wouldn't worry too much about Cincinnati's spot on the list. Like, (laughs) if he's meant to be in Austin, he will somehow magically arrive in Austin through some set of rules and abbreviations that I don't understand that they get him here. But I I think he's a really exciting opportunity. And, I mean, he's probably the first of the national team players that are a potential. Like, he's the one that I'm the most excited about. Like, he's the first – He's the first name I think that everybody could get fired up around. That that's been discussed at all in yeah. terms of a US player like for the, a, a, Austin FC.
0: A realistic one that's under the age of 30. Like right. he's pretty much it, right? So yeah. That's yeah, that's that's a good point. Um so let's move on to the interview with Tom Marshall. So we're gonna talk about some more potential player signings. Uh we wanna give a shout out to Sergio Tristan, uh for writing an article for the Los Verdes blog where he talks about a list of Mexican national team players that he thinks would be good fits for Austin FC. And so we lean pretty, pretty heavy on this article in the in the interview with Tom. So thank you, Sergio, for writing that article for us and doing all the research. Uh, but and also you might think it's a little bit strange to for us to have reached out to someone from Manchester, England to talk about Mexican national team players, but Tom has lived in Mexico for many, many years and has uh, essentially made him worked hard enough to become kind of the premier English language journalist for Mexican soccer. And so he knows a lot and you're going to hear that in this interview. And so we're going to talk to him about who he thinks would be good fits for Austin FC and uh, kind of the reasons why or why not uh, these players would be good fits. So, We hope you guys enjoy this interview. Our guest today is Tom Marshall, who is a soccer journalist covering the Mexican national team and Liga MX for ESPN. Tom, it is a, a great honor for you to join us. I've been paying attention to your work for a while, so it's really great to have you on the show. Thanks so much.
2: No, thanks a lot. London, thanks a lot, Jeremiah, for the uh, for the for the invitation. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about a few of the Mexican names and and you know some of the stuff going on up there in in Austin. Yeah. So before
0: we jump into the Mexican names, I want to talk about a Paraguayan name. So, Cecilio Dominguez, first designated player for Austin FC. He played at Club America from uh, January 2017 to early 2019. What were your impressions of, of Cecilio during his time at Club America and, um, and what do you, how do you expect him to do in MLS?
2: I mean, I think the impressions, he was super talented. I don't think there's anybody would have any doubt about saying that. I mean, the guy is, he can, he's got skills, he's got flair, he's got, you know, vision. Um, and you know, you're looking for an attacking player for an MLS club and, and, you know, I think, I think he will be so successful. Um, I think we've seen a lot of players obviously moving from Liga MX and with experience of Liga MX that have moved up to MLS and, you know, there are exceptions, but the vast majority do well. And I think that's why we're seeing, you know, MLS, you know, GMs looking more to Liga MX because I think, I don't know, I mean, you're always looking to kind of to to, to get rid of doubt, to, to kind of make it the highest percentage possible success rate when, you, when you're making these signings. So I think, um, you know, seeing... Knowing how he did in Liga MX, I think it's almost like, you know, how it's going to translate to, to MLS. What I would say with Cecilio is, though, although he's super talented, I think when, when he left Club America, I don't think fans were particularly disappointed. I don't, I don't think he left that kind of that impression that, you know, this guy achieved the maximum his ability could have seen him achieve. You know there were sparks. There was a couple of injuries, which I think did hold him back as well. So it's not completely his fault. But um, I would say he didn't quite live up to the expectation and and and, and the flashes of brilliance really that they showed at Club América. Um, and I, I think I think he played like 58 Liga MX games and you know 13 goals, six assists. I mean it's not bad. I mean that's not a, a kind of bad ratio. But um, you know I think that. I don't know. I I think his ability could 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 make that ratio a lot higher than 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 what he actually did go on to achieve.
0: Yeah, we the from what we just looking at stats and like highlights and stuff, you can tell he's a super talented guy, but it's when you look at fan reactions from both Club America and Independiente. And Independiente, yeah. They it seems like the fans were fairly disappointed or at least underwhelmed by his performances there. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to see, but he seems very excited about a new start in Austin. And, um, I'm kind of hoping he can have kind of the effect. I I don't think he's as good as Carlos Vela, but I'm kind of hoping that by making him a leader on the team and putting, giving him more responsibility that he can kind of like what Bob Bradley did with Carlos Vela at LAFC, that maybe he can step into that leadership role and kind of take on that, that role.
2: Yeah, and I think I think you know, Claudio Reina, some of the things that he's been saying about Cecilio as well, I think, I think really important, you know, that they have spoke to him at length, that he's desperate for this new challenge, that you know, that the things didn't quite go well for him at independiente, and there were there were good reasons for that. You know what I mean? He understands the reasons behind that not going as well as as expected, and, and the same with Club America. Um and so obviously he thinks that. You know, if you take a player with that kind of talent and you put him into a, in like you're saying into that leadership role, into that kind of you know, let, let's be honest, you know, MLS right now is slightly lower level to Liga MX. I'm not saying there's a uh, you know, it's it's a kind of world of difference, but it is a, it is a slight step below as well. And and he should have success in MLS given given the talent he's got. And as long as he's set, kind of settled off the field as well, Um I think that's I don't I don't know for a play like. Like Cecilio Dominguez, I think it's you know massively important, and you know from his kind of career perspective as well, he's 26, entering his prime. You know, the Paraguayan national team are going to call up players from Liga MX. They're going to call up players from MLS. It's not kind of you know an Argentina or a Brazil where really if you're not playing a big five league, then kind of forget the World Cup so I think Cecilio from his point of view as well he, he needs to get back into that Paraguay national team and he needs to be playing regularly he needs to be kind of in an environment that that is built towards him succeeding and I think that's another thing that Austin is going to give him as well because because of the DP system I think because of the way that you know Josh Wolf and, and Claudio Reyna are constructing a squad you know that that's it you've got obviously you know Rodney Redis and you've got Cecilio and, and now you can start to build around them but obviously you have to buy players that that are gonna make the most out of, out of a play like Cecilio and, and, and given the talent he has, you know, I'm sure that's going to be kind of the plan in the next kind of two, three months moving forward to the, to the, to the start of the 2021 season.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hope so. So we'll get to see, um, we're recording this interview on a Wednesday, so it'll be, this game will have already happened by the time this episode comes out, but uh, on Thursday, they'll be playing uh Cecilio and Rodney will be playing their first uh Copa Libertadores game together for Guarani. So we'll get a, a little glimpse of of how they're gonna interact on the field. So hopefully that, that looks like a good thing. Um let's jump into some El Tree talk. So um Sergio Tristan, the founder of Pancho Villa's army, recently wrote an article where he point points out um four Mexican national team players that he thinks are realistic candidates to sign for Austin FC. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to to talk about some of those players and see how how your answers compare to his. So um, yeah, let's jump into it. So the first name that that Sergio mentions is uh, Memo Choa. So what do, what do you think Guillermo Choa's chances of of a joining an MLS team and then B uh, joining Austin FC might be?
2: I mean I don't think right now Ochoa is is going to be moving away. I mean I think he's only been back at Club America about a year or so if I'm not mistaken. And he was a massive signing. He's on big money. <laughs> like you know, he's the star. He's the star of the club. I mean, it's one of the biggest clubs on the continent it's difficult I think at this point to get him out of Club America. Um, you know, he's 35 years old. Now don't get me wrong, he's got a young family um in in kind of after the 2022 World Cup couple of years down the line you know, I can see that being kind of more of a you know realistic window for for Ochoa to be to kind of join in MLS um, but then you've got to kind of balance the you know the wages and with, with the what he's going to bring in terms of the you know the prestige the kind of the fame that I mean Memo Ochoa is you know if you look down the list of all the Mexican players it's probably him and Chicharito you know over the last decade that, that are the most prominent, that are the most visible, well-known and, and and popular really. I mean, he is, he is very popular. He's a good guy. He speaks English as well. Um,
1: so yeah, I'd, I'd say not one for right now. <laughs> it's like, he's really breaking my heart, Tom. Like, I mean, like, I think like everybody like this my number one, you know um, it's like a fantasy sign. It's, it's almost practically like at the sign le- messy level of like unrealistic like an excitement, but yeah, I mean, I would love to see him, but for every reason you say, like, I just don't think it'll ever work out, too, right? By the time he's going to be, he'll be forty by the time he's affordable to an MLS club, <laughs> and do, you know, and does that make sense?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, it's interesting as well. I think going through all the names, I think the other thing we've got to keep in mind is that, you know, we've seen things in M- we've seen signings in MLS that, in which clubs have signed players for quite big money, and especially younger players from from South America. They've had him in the team a couple of years. I mean, obviously, Miguel Almiron, Atlanta's the big, you know, the the kind of poster boy for this. You know, they brought him in. He's done amazing. They've won the league, and then and then they've sold him on for loads of money. And so it's like that's like the perfect package. So it's like, obviously, I think you know, you've got to look at the model and what Austin FC's model is going to be compared to, you know, the Galaxy or something, where the Galaxy obviously they don't care. They're in the entertainment business. You know, they've got their owners who, who are their owners. They, they they sign Chicharito, they sign Ibrahimovic. And you know what I mean? I think I think, you know I think you've got to take that into consideration as well with, with Austin and, and what they're going to do. But um again, I mean it's I think it, I think it's going to be an attractive club for the, you know, for Mexican players as well. It's just it's just finding one at a time at the right time, right place, right price. Um I think I think that's that's gonna be the kind of bundle because at the end of the day you have got three designated players as well. And, and obviously you've got Cecilio who if he does well in two years would have a sell on price. Um, you know, Rodney Red Redis is a kind of the player that if he does really burst through then then all of a sudden you know, he could be selling him on for, for for good money as well. And then then you kind of maybe you have a little bit more room then to go and splash a bit of money on that kind of big name you know, Mexican signing or, or or whatever, whatever you want to do, you know?
0: Yeah. You mentioned designated players and that's, that's really one of the main sticking points for me with, with Ochoa is that it's hard to um, it's hard to justify using one of your DP spots on a goalkeeper. And if you were going to use it on one, I mean, he's the profile of guy you would use a DP spot for a goalkeeper on, but it's just, it's hard to really justify it. So uh yeah, like you said, it's probably not realistic anyway, but um let's let's move on to the next one that that Sergio mentioned. So Andres Guardado, 34 years old of Real Betis. What do you think about that one?
2: No, yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, I think the 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 main negative with Guardado is his age, but at the end of the day he's captain in a pretty big team in the Liga. still. You know, he's still doing it. He's still going to be important for Mexico. I think he's going to be at the 2022 World Cup. Um, you know the, the experience he brings, the kind of the way he's adapted his game as well as as he's kind of developed throughout his career. And now he's now he's kind of you know way over thirty. He plays a very different way than he did when he was you know eighteen at Atlas and flying down the wing. Um, and so yeah, I, I like Guardado. I think he's been tempted by MLS before. He's he's on record saying that that he's he's come really close. I think before the twenty eighteen World Cup. He he was very close to joining MLS, um, and he, and he basically made the decision that you know what I've got a World Cup, I want to play, I want to stay in La Liga at least for a little while. Um, I think the thing with Guardado is, um, and why he hasn't come to MLS yet, and and why I don't think he's kind of there yet, is that I think his family is just really settled in in Sevilla. You know, he's one of the he's one of the capitals of, of the Betis team. Uh, he's one of the not capitals the 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 captains. One of the captains of the of the of the Betis team, and I don't know. I mean, I, th- I just think he he just really appreciates that, appreciates that kind of that level that he's reached through a lot of hard work. Because he's, you know, this isn't a kind of Chicharito or a, an Ochoa that, that necessarily always had that kind of you know that that kind of star glow around him. I mean, Guardado's grafted. you know, at PSV is grafted in the second division in Spain with Deportivo La Coruña. Um, I mean, he's a guy who, who, who was, you know, he's, 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 for me, he's trying to squeeze every little bit of, of, of what he can from, from his talent. And I think, you know, he's got to be applauded for that. But yeah, I think there does come a time as well where, you know, his family's from Guadalajara you know, his, his wife's from Guadalajara. You look at kind of the, the distances between somewhere like Austin and, and, you know, a flight to Guadalajara is what, two hours or something uh, maximum. And, and, and you think, yeah, you know, it's just a question again of when I don't think it's going to be during this season. I mean, maybe at the end of the the, the season in La Liga is, and he just says, you know what, that's it. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go to WMLS or he's always said he wants to retire at Atlas as well. But, um, but, I mean, we'll see about that because Alice is a is a tricky club. It's it's a tricky club, and and it took Rafa Marquez a long time to to eventually land there after after a few stops along the way. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think Guardado is one that it's not it's not ridiculous to say that Guardado could be could be in the frame. I don't think financially he makes massive money. Um, I think you know, in fact, he's on record saying he could have played in Mexico and made more money than he's earned. <laughs> playing in Europe, I think he said it a few years ago. But it just it does put it in perspective the the decisions that that these Mexican players have to sometimes make between staying in Mexico and kind of making a good living, you know, and and going to Europe. And you're also making a good living. And these guys aren't you know living in poverty, but um, you know they're maybe making a little bit me- a little bit less money, but with the potential you know to go to a massive club and then you make absolutely huge money. It's interesting as well because now I think you've got MLS in that equation. You know, it's not just a case of League MX in Europe. Now you've got you know Pulido, you've got Pizarro, you've got um, you know even Fierro and Jurgen Dam and Jürgen Dammen, players like that. Where MLS now comes into the equation, not just for these kind of superstar players, you know, designed to pull in you know Mexico fans obviously all around the United States. It's it's now obviously a destination for you know that more of that kind of mid mid tier level League MX player. So. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, we'll see. I like Guadalupe. I think he's a, a top, top guy as well.
0: One other thing Sergio points out in his article is that he's had uh, some injuries over the last few years. And so for a player at that age who's had injuries, it's it's quite a bit of a risk to spend that much money and use a DP spot um on on that type of profile. So that's something else that would be yeah. a little bit worrying. Um, so the next one is something that there for a couple of weeks seemed like it was almost definitely going to happen. And this is, uh, Hector Moreno. So he's 32 years old playing at Algarrafa. Uh, but there for a while, that rumor seemed, seemed really hot and then just kind of disappeared. And so, um, I don't know if that's, if that's still in, in the, in the works or if it was ever in the works, but, but what do you think about that one, Tom?
2: Yeah, I mean I don't think it's a deal that needed to be done right now to be honest. I mean, what's the what's the rush? I mean, he's already got a club, he's making massive money. <laughs> I mean, that's why he went there. I mean, I think that's why people go over there, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, established players that are established in Europe, they go over there and and you, you can't really blame the players because you know the guys from Sinaloa, he can, you know, with that money that he's making, however long he stays there, he's going to buy the next 3 4 generations of his family you know a comfortable living so yeah. Um, but yeah but you do you do you do think with moreno and and you know reading between the lines is there a point where he he, he wants to change that lifestyle and he wants to come over from from you know that side of the world again closer to home you know, to a city where, where there is a Mexican community that, he, you know, you can easily get back to Mexico when you need. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's another, it's another good shout. I think that, um, it's going to depend on him taking a wage cut as well. I mean, I don't think you can be, uh, how old is he now? 33 or 34? Oh, uh, he's 30.
0: He's 32 now. I'm not sure when his birthday 32. is though.
2: Yeah. So, you know, again, a, a defender who's you know he's a defender as well so he's not kind of like you know that player who's gonna you know go out and, and grab the headlines I mean you, so I think you got to factor that in and I think when you look at it and you analyze it I think it would be up to Moreno to kind of decide you know what I want to go to a club like Austin because that's where I want to be I believe in the project and you know I want to I think my family is going to be happy there um rather than I'm going to go there and make loads of money and I think I think you know I think that goes for all the players as well and and you know, I've been on a few conference calls with with Claudio Reyna and and I think I've interviewed him once as well and you know, I think that's really it's really important as well. I mean I know everybody kind of says it, but but it's important that the players want to come to to Austin and want to come to the club and um, and yeah I think it's I think it, that kind of deal would be down to to Moreno taking that that wage cut and and wanting to be there. But I'd also say you know I don't think it's necessarily dead. I mean Austin obviously still need a lot of players. And, and Moreno, at a certain point, is going to have to decide his future. And I think, if you look at the national team situation, um, there aren't, right now, too many younger centre-backs. Um, there are a couple doing well. Johan Vasquez, um, he's doing really well at Pumas. Sepulveda at Chivas. Um, and and Cesamontes at Monterrey. But it's like none of them are, are, are at his level yet. But at the same time, if you're Tata Martino and, and Moreno, he's been in... Um, you know, Qatar for the last couple of years and you're picking that world cup squad. You know what I mean? That I think you definitely from Martino's point of view, obviously a guy who knows MLS, I think he'd much prefer Hector Moreno in MLS, especially as a defender, because obviously the the attacking talent in MLS is you got some big attacking talent. So I think Tata Martino would prefer uh, Moreno over there in, in, in say in Austin than, you know, in Qatar. And and I think that that might factor in at some point for for Moreno as well. But yeah, I think I think that's a possibility for for next, you know, for for over the winter or, or come next spring. I mean, but it's going to depend on Moreno as well.
0: Yeah, his um, his contract goes through twenty twenty two, and so it, yeah. I, I think what you're saying is true that it, it might make more sense later on from a, a money perspective. And also, again, do you want you have to balance that that question of do you want to use a DP spot on a centre-back, which I think right now you would have to with the money that he's going to be on. So, uh, yeah. yeah, complicated. Um, so the last one that Sergio mentions in his article and who he he says would be the best one of these four and would be his pick is Miguel Layun. So 32 years old playing at Monterey right now. What do you think about that one?
2: Yeah, no, I, I like it. I think Layun is, um, you know, he's a top guy. Um, I think that... He, you know, he's, he speaks English. Um, I think he's also. I spoke to him before a couple of years ago. Before he, well, after he just signed for Monterrey, and you know, he said he he really considered a move to MLS. He was very close to moving to MLS at that point as well. And I think he, you know, he he, he went the way of Monterrey. Monterrey, obviously, a massive club and playing yeah. in that stadium and. You know they were going for the Concave Champions League, going for the title. You know he's won both of those things as well with Monterey, which I think is important because I mean, what else can he win there now? Um And the team's struggling; he's kind of been in and out. So, I think from, I think from a rounded perspective, I think you know he'd be a good signing. I worry a little bit about his age again. Um, You know, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not that kind of it depends which way, you know, Austin want to go in terms of, you know, do you want, like I said at the start, do you want to sign a big name in Mexican or do you want to go that other route and, and try and kind of also sign players where you're going to, you're going to kind of get some money back down further down the line. But yeah, I mean, from what I've heard as well, I think, I don't think Layuna be um kind of against a move to, to MLS. And, um, you know, obviously it's not far from Monterrey <laughs> not there to Austin either, is it? So um so yeah, I, th- I think he's I think he's versatile. He plays in a number of positions. Obviously, um, you know, like legitimately could play, you know, right back, left back, holding midfield, you know, kind of interior midfield, wing, either wing. So legitimately can play like six positions on the field out of the eleven. Um, Which is
0: something that um, that Reina and Wolf have said that they really want out of a player is is that positional flexibility and kind of ability to do different things. So that's something that might be a, a positive and uh for, for those guys
2: yeah no definitely and and i think um you know he, he is a bit old i was looking at uh, you know a couple of months ago there was there was kind of i think Libra MX put some stats out and he was like the fastest guy of the weekend or something it's like oh, wow. <laughs> wow that guy that guy's got some serious pace like and and I, I've, I've seen him a lot of times live and i've not really captured the you know that he was that fast i mean he's obviously not slow but like that that to, to see like the numbers and be like wow Lyon is seriously quick um but yeah I I think it'd be in terms of an off the field as well he's good with the community um his, his his backstory is pretty pretty incredible um you know he was diagnosed with cancer not not too long ago overcame that I think that's kind of changed his perspective on life a little bit as well um you know like I said speaks English speaks Spanish obviously um he's got quite a few businesses going on I mean he's a really really bright guy um he's I don't know I don't want to say different to to the normal football or anything like that but definitely compared to the you know the the average Mexican footballer that you interview you know he's from kind of a middle-class family he's from a family that have like you know he's obviously had a bit of a higher level education than than a lot of the footballers to to be honest in Mexico because most of them are from from really working class backgrounds not not saying you know sometimes that that's a massive benefit as well because it gives you that hunger. And and I'm not saying, you know, not being judgmental here or classist, but Lyon, you can tell he's absolutely sharp. He's on it. He's got these businesses. Um, And obviously, he just brings a wealth of experience, you know, playing in England, playing in Portugal. And I think, you know, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, you know, you you guys are going to know a lot better than me, but it seems like Austin are putting a lot of emphasis on, kind of that youth system that kind of the building blocks the kind of the, the local community bringing kids through through and you imagine you know in a city like Austin with the with the with the Latino community with the amount of Mexican mexican-american first second third whatever generation that someone like Laon would be really good as kind of you know to have around the club to, to, to you know, to be asking advice about, to have to have somebody they can go to and, and say, hey, you know, what, what's it like playing in Europe? What do you need to do? What, what, are, the, what are the good habits that I need to pick up? And so, um, and so, yeah, no, I, I like Layún. I think um, the only thing I'd, I'd worry slightly about is getting him out of Monterrey because it can be difficult to get players out of Monterrey. I think we saw with Rodolfo Pizarro and into Miami, you know, he went to FIFA. I mean, Monterrey was so angry that they took it to, to FIFA because of the way they fell into miami went about doing the deal um and and also you've seen you know I'm, I'm not sure the ins and outs but you've seen jonathan gonzalez as well apparently have interest from mls and and you know he's not gone and it's like he's not really playing either so it's kind of getting him out of monterrey might be the uh, the tricky aspect especially cuz in mexico now i think it's um you have to have what is it? I don't know now because of the squads have kind of been enlarged and all that. But I think you can have a maximum of nine non-Mexican players, right? Yeah. Um, and and so and so the worth of a Mexican player and, a, and one with such experience is is obviously a little bit higher than maybe it was, you know, before this rule kind of came into force. But yeah, no, I like I like Layuna. He's a he's a he's a top guy. Easy to get on with. Really bright. And um, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm pretty sure he'd be interested in MLS. It's just. It's just uh, the Monterrey side. Can you can you strike a deal?
0: Yeah, and that, to go back to a, a previous point, um, I think Austin FC, if if they are to sign a Mexican player, I think they're really going to want them or need them to be kind of a big community presence and a um, yeah. just someone who can kind of be a face of the team. And I think he's probably more tooled to do that than someone like Hector Moreno would be um just a bit more charismatic a bit more um just just more comfortable being talking to the media on social media things like that so i think that's another another high point for him
2: yeah definitely although i would say moreno's you know moreno is a you know his english is actually really good as well it it really Um, is yeah you know i've been surprised when i've kind of seen him in mix zones and stuff like that and um and, Yeah, no, he's a he's a really top guy. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying on kind of social networks and stuff like that. Moreno's not the type to be kind of you know going out there like like Layún is, and and in front of the media as well. Layún is not afraid to come out and say stuff. I mean, you know, this big story in Mexico today is he's back in the Mexican national team, and and that's a story not because you know he's not good enough to be in there because he's clearly still is good enough. Um, it's a story because last December he said. Basically, that he felt like he'd been stabbed in the back by people within the federation and the squad. Um, because I don't know, it's a long story, but basically, the players were accused of having this party in New York last September. And there was a lot of fallout. They kind of tried, they started investigating. Investigating a, a lot of stuff came out about Chicharito, about Layún. Photos were, were were produced. Don't know if they're real or not. But um, and and Layún just re- and then Layún and Chicharito weren't called up for the rest of the year and so last march before the old pandemic it was kind of a big issue is layun is Chicharito, are they going to be back or are they going to be kind of banished from the national team and obviously layun coming back coming back this time and and after his comments saying that he had been stabbed in the back um is you know it's it's a it's a big story in mexico for sure um so Outside of those four players
0: that we just talked about, are there any others that you think are are kind of primed for a move to MLS, or or think might just be realistic candidates for a move to MLS?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, I, th- I think within Liga MX as well. I mean, I think what's happened recently, is, well, since the World Cup, basically, is Mexican players have kind of been moving away from Europe a lot of the time, and I think now, like we've seen, um, like we've seen, kind of MLS clubs signing the younger. The younger kind of South American players, I think that might be the the, the next thing that we're gonna see is kind of MLS clubs looking for the younger Mexican players and, and not just Mexican but you know the younger Liga x based players. So um so yeah, so so you look at somebody like I don't know, I mean, if you're looking at a DP, it's like Orbilin Pineda or somebody like that who's who's played now at Cruz Azul, I mean it's not easy to get these players out because it's going to be expensive. Ovelin has signed for Cruz Azul for a lot of money. And before that, he signed for Chivas for a lot of money. So these clubs need to recoup the money as well. But um, but yeah, you know, I like someone like um, Oberlin Pineda in terms of like the defensive side. You know, Irán Mier is doing well at Chivas right now. Um, who else? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think it wouldn't be for me. But, you know, Giovanni dos Santos is really playing much right now, <laughs> you know. I'm not sure if you'd if you'd want him up there, but you know, I, you know, I think I he's taken
0: played recently, but from from what memory serves, I don't know
2: if I would want him
0: right now.
2: No. No, no, but you know, you know, you know, the Jonathan Gonzalez and then, you know, the the kind of middle range you've got a goalkeeper like Raul Godinho, achievers who's been in and out, you know, not always starting, but but he's you know, I think he's what twenty-four and he's you know, he's got future national team potential. And I think that might be the other way of look going about looking at it. You know, rather than going for the big name players, then going for that player that might be a bit younger but can become that star and and, and become that star at a club like Austin FC. Um, yes, and and I think the other thing is like like I just touched on then it's you know the local you know the local Mexican American kids coming through that academy. I mean, honestly, when I've, I was watching the Galaxy the other day, and honestly, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos came on, Chicharito came on. I was honestly more interested in Efrain Alvarez. And how he was doing, and Juliana Rojo, who you know, he was, right now he's playing for the stage, but it sounds like he's very much undecided. Now you've got there two really, really exceptional young talents that are teenagers, um, and I think if you if you kind of translate something like that into the to the Austin kind, I mean, I don't know the city that well. I've only been once, but but if you translate something like that, you know, like two really really exciting Mexican 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 American bicultural bilingual teenagers into your team that are genuinely good then uh, i don't know i I mean you guys know again know better than me what kind of hype that would that would generate not just amongst you know the austin fc fans in general but specifically the 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 kind of mexican community in in the city
1: good point i wanted to ask you about geography a little bit and you mentioned this but i think there's this impression in austin that just because of because of where we are, you know, and we're relatively close to Mexico, right, compared to most teams in the league, yeah. That that's going to be an appeal, and that's sort of an imperative to like find a, a Mexican player of note. I mean, do you, does Austin have like a? Is there is there an like at home appeal to Austin for your for your Mexican player or not?
2: That's an interesting question. I think I think that I think that in general there's an appeal for MLS within especially players well but you know mexican plays everywhere to be honest there's, there's an appeal i think it's it's misunderstood <laughs> i think a lot of the time they look at chicharito signing like getting six million a year and they all want to get six million a year or you know they want to get three million a year or whatever you know they think it's just like oh we go there and we get loads of money and then you look at yeah. the taxes and you know there's a lot of other things that you have to factor in um so so yeah no but i do i do think in general there's kind of just an awareness of you know it, the league's going in the right direction. There's more and more Mexican players there, and I mean that this, th- these players all speak to each other. Like Polito, it's not the kind of most ex- I don't know. I don't want to diss Kansas City, but it's not. he's not on paper the most exciting place to go in the world. But then you got Polito, who's like kind of this kind of star. Who kind of you know the way he dresses? He's like he, he's a kind of showy guy. He likes yeah. his music. He likes his fast cars, and you know. And, and, and he and he likes the league and, and that's kind of not surprised me, but he's settled down there really well. Now, I think a city like Austin, I think everybody in Mexico and the Mexican players, they know that there's the Mexican community there as well. But I think more than the kind of physical distance, I think it's the, you know, the fact that you, you can go there and, you know, you're going to be loved. You know what I mean? If you're a Mexican player, is well known. People are going to come out and see you. Don't get me wrong; some players don't like that. Some players are prefer to go there, you know. They're just not going to get bothered. But, um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's I think people in Mexico as well are you know I think they've they've sat up and taken notice. Not not just talking about the players here, but like kind of the media as well. I mean, you know, the the stadium that's being built there in Austin, and and I don't know. It's kind of like sometimes I feel like the Mexican media look up there, look up at kind of something like the project Austin with a bit of I don't know. I don't know if jealousy is the right word because he, there's also a lot of good things going on in Mexico. It's not like, you know, but just the way that you can kind of just like flick a switch almost. And you've got a team. <laughs> I think it's kind of, I think, I think it kind of fascinates people in Mexico that three years ago, there's no team. And, and I know Austin's got a long history of, of team, of soccer teams, but they're kind of like from, from zero to, you know, hundred and you've got a brand yeah. new stadium like <laughs> LAFC, you know, and it's like, and, and you know LAFC when they played in Leon and I was there I think last February March I can't remember now but yeah February and it was like it's that, that kind of thing with MLS that all of a sudden there's like a couple of thousand LAFC fans and they're singing and they're like a barra from Latin America like you know what I mean they're, they're like they're a legitimate kind of supporters group they're not they're not messing around they're like the real they're marching to the stadium they're making noise they're, they're being respectful as well um and I think you know the, it definitely gets picked up here in here in mexico for sure and um yeah no, I, I think i think austin's a attractive location and don't get me wrong you get some players and and i did hear this a little bit about moreno that you know he would prefer someone someone like a miami a new york or a los angeles you're always going to get those players as well they, they want to live there but the reality is there's not that many clubs in those cities so um you know i think once they once they kind of read up a little bit about austin and the know the growth and i think what it's what it's become um i think i I went there in like 2000 so no 2002 or something like that so i imagine it's like was that the last time you were here no yeah oh yeah
0: (laughs) it's a different world now (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah so all right um i think that's a good place to stop so tom where can people find your work
2: no, I'm on. I think best place probably Twitter um, at Mexico World Cup or the, be- the best on...
0: Twitter handle ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like it was good that it was good that there is going to now be a World Cup in Mexico. <laughs> that, that's definitely helped it. <laughs> it's helped the long term uh, forecast for the for the Twitter. But um, but yeah, and I'm on ESPN FC. Uh, you know, writing stuff about the Mexican national team and Liga MX. But uh, but yeah, thanks a lot, boys, for the for the invite and um, you know, good luck with the with the show and. And everything heading towards the the first season should be exciting yeah i appreciate
0: it so whenever traveling is a thing again well you you got to get back up to austin and then i i imagine the answer to this question is yes but i've never been to
2: guadalajara is that is that worth a visit yeah no definitely yeah i've actually i'm actually in mexico city now i've um i lived in guadalajara like 10 years but i've been like i've been in mexico city a year but yeah no 100% and you know, I know not everybody's kind of big on on um, you know on the Concacaf Champions League and sometimes on the Liga MX MLS kind of doing more kind of games and all this kind of thing. But I, I tell you what, if you're like a real, real fan of of these clubs and especially these clubs, you know, you know, especially in the south of the, of the United States, where you do get a chance to kind of go down and, and watch. I mean, imagine in two years if you guys were in Guadalajara watching Chivas versus austin in the you know Estadio chivas so or you're in the azteca watching austin fc i mean you know i don't know i think i think um anytime you get a chance to you know to visit to visit mexico and especially supporting a club then 100 percent do it because i don't know it's, it's just uh it's just a rich kind of football culture and then the food's good as well <laughs> oh yeah <laughs>
0: love that yeah <laughs> all right well thanks so much tom this has been great thank you
2: speak soon well, you love saying him just a little too late. You know all I right
0: we want to right thank me. Tom Marshall one more time for joining us and sharing his knowledge uh Jeremiah the supporters group here in Austin are doing some really good work in the community so do you want to tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah it's it's neat that we've got both uh, Austin Anthem and Les Verdes doing some uh, good work uh, for nonprofits in a time when it, it's kind of hard to do so uh, I'll start by talking about Austin Anthem is raising money for the Flatwater Foundation. Uh, it's a foundation that was started in 2009 uh, with the sole purpose of providing those diagnosed with cancer and their families access to therapy. Uh, so since that uh, started, they've covered the cost of over $5 million worth of therapy for families in Central Texas. Um, and Austin Anthem is through their store selling a, uh, a cooler um, with a Grackle logo on it that with their store, then the profits for that will go to, f- the Flatwater Foundation, um, and then also they are collecting uh, St. David's. Well, and all the the health uh, providers here in town have a, a program called Hero Care that they're doing. And so Austin Anthem is collecting cards, uh, thank you cards, for St. David's healthcare workers. So the way that works is people make their own card, fill it out, express their gratitude for the frontline workers at St. David's healthcare, and then they can send them by email to together at austinanthem.org. Um, by Friday, October 9th, and they'll make sure that those get in the hands of the, the healthcare workers that are have obviously been on the front lines of everything that's going on over the last six months. Um, Los Verdes just completed a scarf sale um, in conjunction with the plastics. Uh, they continue to take my money um, with, <laughs> with cool new merch. Uh, that resulted in a donation of $1,700 to Out Youth, which is a group that supports uh, LGBT youth in Austin. Again, a specific Austin-based charity. Los Verdes also has a Hispanic Heritage Month video series, which will feature local Hispanic artists, business owners, and politicians. Uh, one that's already out includes Councilmember Greg Casar, uh, which, um, and he's the first one, and there are more to come. And it's kind of cool because the interviews are like both in English and Spanish. Uh, the Spanish parts have English subtitles, the English parts have Spanish subtitles. So it's a really cool uh, celebration. That'll go in Hispanic Heritage Months last September 15th through October 15th.
0: All right. So we would like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We also want to remind you to visit com. We will be back in two weeks with more Austin FC news. We're going to have another fun interview with Weston Appelfeller, who is the Senior Director of Grounds for Austin FC, and we're going to talk to him about uh, the pitch at McAllen Place and how they're going to get grass in there. So uh, until then, I'm Landon Cottam. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time.